everybody likes guns. They just don't know it. Deep inside of my soul, there's a cowboy trying to get out. Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 233 of New Shooter Canada. I'm your host Thomas tonight, and of course we have Amanda and Josh. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Hey Thomas, how are you doing? Good. And the other side we've got Mike. Hey Thomas. And tonight we have a guest. We have One Knife Paul from the Knivesman, a.k.a. EDC International. How you doing, Paul? EDC Canada International, Tom. But I'm doing awesome, and I'm glad everybody else is doing awesome here tonight. Thank you for asking. And you actually have your firearms license, do you not? Yes, I do. Now, how, do did you... You know, how did you know that? I did ask beforehand. But you're, you're, <laughs> well, no, you're I gun... thought it was a magic trick. Come on uh-huh. now. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> So why are your guns in BC and you're in Ontario? Okay, so the story is, yes, my guns are in BC. My uh, mom and dad moved to BC in about 2010, and I was at the ripe younger age of less than 10 years from my age right now, which I won't tell you. And uh, so they wanted to move, and I said, no way, man, I'm young. I'm staying in a populated area like Hamilton. So uh, I bought a house, <laughs> and I didn't have the equipment to house my firearms at the moment so uh he took them out west and he's in possession of them as we speak so eventually my plans are to move out west and uh i'll be reunited with my babies well that's a good plan what kind of babies do you have what are your favorite? uh honestly my 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 most loved is the uh 12 gauge browning bps um that is that shotgun it is an extension of my body, uh, skeet shooting, etc. That is the favorite that I have, and I mean, I can't even uh, like I got a pump 308, um, but that that BPS is my baby. They're 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 a nice made shotgun. They really are. Oh, I highly contemplated buying one, and I have a whole episode on me getting the Hunter instead, the Connect Hunter. But running PP uh, BPS was definitely on my to-do list because of the ambi and uh, being left-handed so and i like the fact that it was a drop center drop so yeah bottom injection yes so yeah yeah so josh and amanda are, are basically the the newer shooters in the show mike's really into competition and I'm old with failing eyesight, so I haven't done much shooting lately. So, <laughs> but he's our well. Take all the fun out of it, Josh. <laughs> I know, but see, if I set myself up, Mike's going to shoot me down anyway, so I might as well shoot myself down in the process, right? Yeah. boy. <laughs> know your role, right? I, I've been married like 33 years. I'm pretty impacted. Oh, I know, he, I know. he knows his role then. Out of boy, Thomas. So, Amanda, did you do any shooting this weekend? Not a none, zilch. Nothing, unfortunately. Uh, we are looking to go to a, uh, a wood competition. In that's, that's all I did in guns this week was yeah. try to convince Amanda to go to five stand tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to try five stand. I have, other than uh, shooting off a couple rounds of the Hunter at the range just to kind of get a feel for it, I haven't shot it, and I guess doing the Five stand would be a good way to do it. Apparently, they're very open to new shooters and teaching them how to do it. It's taking a lot of nerve to want to go, but 
you know what? We'll we'll give it a try. Why not? So. Well, it wasn't, oh, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah, I heard fun. like 16 people showed up last week, so it's not like a huge, big pressure thing, right? So I think they, they'll take the time and they'll walk us through it. Can yeah. I can I interject for a second? How new shootery are you guys? Uh, I've had my license since 2019, oh. and I probably shot. Um, Josh has been my mentor since probably 2018. So uh, um, yeah, so I I'm really new, and Josh is what two years before that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, we're we're still white new. Newish. New okay, awesome. No, that's cool. Sorry, I, well, I didn't catch it in, before. We, we dove in hard. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We're yeah. we're just waiting for Amanda to get her restricted. Uh, Josh showed me a bunch of courses that were being held yes. where. So the Listful Shooting Academy is holding courses soon, so she's got to sign up. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that's my birthday gift. Oh wait, no, sorry. My uh, holster for the P226 will be yeah, my that, gift. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, Valentine's gift. All right. That's romantic, oh. right? That's a good That's a good Valentine's gift. Give it an offer. Wait, if, if you're a real man, you'd join EDC Canada International and check out a knife to pair with that firearm, man. Oh, we've got a yeah. few to go with that, yeah. <laughs> you could have got, got a matching sheath to go with it. Oh, that would be oh. so amazing. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm sure if, if you send a fixed blade to uh, Robert, he could make a, a sheath that would uh, match. Oh, oh I bet. That'll be cool. But other than that, there wasn't anything in guns. But I am going to just recap really quick the last two recs. Paul, if you're not aware, we had just started a ruck challenge, 12-week ruck challenge. Originally, it was uh, introduced rucking from the uh, CPP, Canadian Patriot Podcast, who challenged us to a the finish result and to complete it. So Josh and I really enjoyed it. Mike really enjoyed it. And I've had a lot of questions about it. And to me, it's all part of firearms because, you know, you got to learn how to do your carry for hunting or if you're doing any kind of trudging around. So why not? So we did a 12-week challenge put out there. So we're on week three. So we we did week two and week three. So just wanted to recap a little bit and how we did so uh week week two i know i was a little bit slow to get moving uh i know i had ended up having a really stiff neck and back so i had to take it easy so it was actually the start of week three that i did my week two but uh so josh i did my own and josh did his another day but uh, i was really happy that i completed it but i'm noticing that my knees are starting to really uh get affected especially my right and it took two full days to fully recover didn't really help so much when we went to great wolf lodge for (laughs) the week and all those steps and i was the one going on the slides with the kids guys so uh that was a lot of steps i'm old and and frail so both of those things sound like a lot of fun oh totally well i saw those pictures of you floating down that inner tube and old but you're definitely not frail you filled up that tube pretty good my place yeah it totally was josh you gonna sit there and let tom call your lady old come on tom (laughs) well i would never call amanda old no no. she could could hurt me me awesome and that's about it that's right that's right she should look (laughs) glowing and stunning and not frail at all she's got gorgeous (laughs) eyes oh so week three you're gonna get me in trouble paul i'm sorry 
That's what I do. Boys, behave yourselves over there. So, anyways, I felt more energized on week three and prepared to to do it. And I will say, as we were getting going though with the cold weather today, I think it was feeling like minus twenty four out there. I was having a hard time breathing. So, you know, we did go a little bit slower than I think we wanted to, but rather be safe than sorry. Um, and you know, I know that come summertime we'll be able to pick up our pace. So I just complained the whole time. Yes, you did. I, I couldn't believe it. He's the one that like really pushed this and he was the biggest whiner for the whole thing. So I, uh, I feel like I, I feel like I already have my answer, Amanda. But what's better, rucking with or without Josh? Um, no, normally he's great because he's usually about twenty or thirty paces ahead of me. So he motivates me to keep up. But I will say if every day were like today, I would say by myself. Totally. So, well, but he I, is getting I old and frail, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, he's old and frail. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> oh. But uh, well, I, well, at least I am doing the challenge, Mike. <clears throat> Mike. <laughs> oh. Oh no. Ooh, my. Yeah, I really. Uh, I mean, really I haven't behind. done it. No, you uh, haven't. I know. So, so here's the thing. I actually have this week off, and I have no kids. So my plan so is to finally see? get out there and do it. So are you going to do week one, two, and three all in the same week? No. I would consider that. He, he's going to come back next week and say, I got busy. <laughs> he better not. Oh, he might, he might do them in the same week. You know what, Paul? I like you. I like you. <laughs> Mike, I am challenging you to do one, two, and three this week. So what is one, two, and three? To remind uh, the listeners. One hour, one hour, 15, one hour, 30. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. No, because it's only time constraint and weight constraint of 25 or 30 pounds. Yeah. 30, I, 30, 30 pounds for you because you're late. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to carry everyone's homework? Yeah. <laughs> no, you get to carry the beer. Oh. Uh, do I get to drink the beer while I'm walking? Absolutely. No, not until you get to where we are. Chug, there you go. chug a beer every kilometer. <laughs> I'm not I'm not walking for that long if I'm chugging a beer every kilometer because I'm going to get through like the first five and be like screw this I'm going home Like, <laughs> I mean better than passed out in the ditch right I'm just going to sit here and finish this case off boys you leave me be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy anyways this time I will say I did prepare for the pain though I took meds before I left and I stretched I should probably stretch more, but five minutes beforehand, and it definitely made a difference. Uh, but I guess we'll see how I'm feeling tomorrow, because I, we did go out to dinner after our ruck, and then by the time we got home, my knee was starting to bother me again. And this is all new for the whole knee thing. I don't get it, but maybe it's just because I'm wearing big bogs uh, instead of actual rucking shoes or hiking shoes. So we'll see. But that's about it for me. Uh, Josh, do you have anything to add to that? No, that's, uh, like I say, all I was doing today was just trying to get Amanda to go shooting tomorrow. That's really all I've done in the rucking. So, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of pathetic the last two weeks. Yeah, so, that's why he got me the bottle of wine today. Gotcha. Ah, smart move. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I'll do what I did with guns, and I'm going to do uh, my, my best George Hatch impersonation. I didn't do anything. I'm starting to sound like George because I haven't done anything in guns. Um, I want a knife. Again? Woo! Oh boy! What'd you get? I won. I won a Best Tech 
Swift? Yeah, you know well, what? Best Tech's coming up, man. That's not bad. Well, their, their high-end stuff's really good, but this is one of their yeah. budget values. It's, uh, I think, $75 at Blades Canada. But I want a knife from Canadian Cutting Edge YouTube channel. Uh, Jake does a monthly free draw for his Patreon supporters, and we get to choose a knife that he reviewed from this previous month's video. Uh, usually, Jake puts up a lot of content each month, and there's usually you know one or two budget knives that may interest me. But, no, budget knives aren't really my thing, but Jake's reviews are so well done. And his how-to videos are, are great educational resources for people that are just getting into knives, so for sharpening or maintenance and stuff. But what happens is that Jake ended up having major knee surgery last month, and he only put out a handful of videos. So my choices were limited to six folders and a fixed blade. So scratch the fixed blade because Jake gave it a real poor review. So I had five to choose from. Three of them were D2, one was 8CR, and the smallest was a 14C28N Raiki, I think it was. Um, right. I don't need another D2 folder. I have three already. Same with 14C. Uh, I have one. That's enough for me. And 8CR yep. is just not adequate enough for, for my needs. You know, that's right. Some people like it. If you want to strop it every time you use it, that's fine. But, you know. Yep. But, uh but because he didn't have that many shows up, I had a really limited choice. So Jake, being the gentleman that he is, said he'll put a mirror, on, a mirror edge on the knife for me. And he's also going to throw in something extra for the box, which is kind of nice. So, which is kind of good. Oh, that, he that also covered nice. half the shipping. Actually, a little bit more because I think it was $21. He covered half the shipping and the insurance, and uh, which was great. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. So uh, what knife did I choose? I said I chose the, be the best tech. They're, they're decent, but, you know... I immediately gave it to Josh. It's like, yeah. Josh yeah. likes budget knives. Oh, Thanks, yeah, we, we like budget knives. We, we totally do. And you know what? I'm sure we'll get to the point of snob, but with our firearms, <laughs> with, with firearms, we were the same way. We're very much budget, budget, budget. And then I would say yeah. our last couple purchases, I definitely have encouraged a lot more spending for quality. Yes. And I'm sure, again, with knife now, for me, I do like to have an EDC in my purse. I also like to – I have um, an EDC in the car, and I usually like to take one camping with me. So, I mean, am I the one that absolutely makes sure I have one? No, but any time that I don't have one, I regret it. So, you know what? The you... budget right now is good. We are a family of six, blended family, and eventually we are going to be looking at getting some – um, pocket knives for the the children especially the two older ones they're turning double digits this year Excellent. they're really into camping you know like they got their own flint and steels we make our own char cloth so that's going to be the next step is the pocket knives cool. um and so you know what you eventually we will get there so i'm did excited you that your, you got did, did you find your ladybug no I cannot freaking find it. <laughs> I'm so sad because it is so cute and it was sharp. I still think it's in Josh's garage. I because I know I used it to break down some boxes, and I'm pretty sure I set it up on his toolbox, and I haven't seen it since. So I think he punked it and he's hiding it on me until I. <laughs> I fess well, up. This, uh, it, it probably took me two months for me to fess up that I actually lost it, but you know, well, I lost now it you can get a bigger it. knife. Yeah, I know. All right, here it is in my pocket. Here you go. Oh, baloney! Okay. <laughs> or even so. better, Josh found it and he thought, "Oh, this will be hilarious. I'm going to hide it on her and see how long it takes for her to know." It takes you two months. You finally know it. He said, "Oh crap, where did I hide it?" Yeah, right. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
and now he can't admit it, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, like, trying to find something in a woman's purse is an impossible task. Oh! Like, you know, you like, if the it. wife says, can you get it out of my purse for me? It's like, I can't find anything in there. No, take that's when you hour. bring them the purse and you get them to do it. That's all I do. Exactly. Like, you you yeah. search. Mm-mm. Is my purse that bad? Oh, I just turned it upside down and shook it. Said, okay, we'll find it. And I got yelled at, so no. I never had to do it again. That is a big no-no, Thomas. Don't do that. No. Well, especially when those compacts come out and the makeup goes all over the place and you get yelled at. Yeah, but do you know how expensive it is if you break those compacts? Oh, my oh, gosh. What is this? Is this you. new makeup Canada? Come on now. Oh. <laughs> It's like my wife. So my now, wife now that we've angered home. Amanda, so what about you, Mike? What you doing, guys, this, this week? <laughs> well, I finally actually did something. Um, oh, yeah, somebody know, did finally. I know. I can't even remember how it came up, but someone it came up somehow that uh, Kingston was putting on an Icor match indoors this weekend. So I thought, sure, why not? It worked out perfectly. Uh, my parents were taking the kids, so I said, hey, how about we meet you halfway? They were excited about it, really. We were just, you know, meeting to go shoot after. But, uh, yeah, so Sarah and I got to go shoot i together, which was tons of fun. Um, yeah, and a good match there. Uh, shot with – there's only a – we were in a squad of, like – but it was nice because uh, they were all – like, everyone knew each other, so it was very nice, and it went very fast. Like, I don't think I've ever shot a match that fast. Um but I realized when I went in there this morning to get my gun out, I'm like, oh, I haven't even been in my gun safe in about mm, three months, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't shot a match since October, and I don't even think I've been to the range since. So, uh, yeah, I was a little rusty, but I, I still managed to pull off a second place. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with that. Awesome, Mike. Nice. Well, yeah. it's nice so- start at some range time for change. So you didn't know oh, yeah. the match beforehand? It was kind of just a surprise? No, oh, of course she knew about the match beforehand. So uh, no, she. Because like, was this like part of your budgeted ammo allowance? Oh my God, Josh, there is no budget for the ammo. <laughs> That's your house, <laughs> Josh. Your house. This is to keep you. This is to keep you from overshooting. Remember, we talked about this. <laughs> I know, but. <laughs> oh man. Well, congrats there, Mike. That's yeah. awesome. I... Looking forward to you shooting a little bit more and. Uh, and, uh, you know, smoothing things out there because we definitely need some more tips and tricks on the dry firing. Yeah. I'd like to do that more, especially now that we got that eye target. So yeah. I I just haven't had time. Like even this whole week leading up to the match, I knew that I was going and I was like, I should do some dry fire. And it's like, OK, when am I going to have time? Oh, I have no time at all. Like it, my choices were either to sleep less or dry fire. So, and considering that I think my watch said my average sleep this week was about four and a half hours a day, I I wasn't willing to sacrifice any of that four and a half. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but no, actually, Josh, your even comment about the budget doesn't apply because all the ammo I found, I scrounged up from last year. Oh, nice. There you go. (laughs) Because I literally, after I signed up for the match, I said to Sarah, oh, do we even have ammo to shoot? I better go check. So I went downstairs. I'm looking through everything. Oh, no, can't find anything. Can't find anything. And I randomly found um, my ammo can. I had left it half full of ammo, and that was enough for, to shoot the match. I'm like, great, I'm good. That's and then I went, through, I went through Sarah's stuff, and as I'm going through Sarah's stuff, I'm like, I loaded some 9mm for my gun right at the end of the year. And I, look, and I found it, and I'm like, 
actually, this ammo will work great in her gun. Great. I don't have to load anything. Woo! <laughs> now, how did Sarah do? Uh, I didn't. I uh, I only know how I did because the girl who had the score tablet told me as soon as the match was over. <laughs> I haven't uh, seen how she did yet. And uh, even after, after, I'm like, how did you do? And she's like, oh, I have no idea. I never even looked. All right, well, how does she feel she did? How's that sound? Well, assuming that the scores are posted, I should be able to find out pretty quick. But uh, I think Sarah... both shot revolvers? Yep. Well, it's I-Core. It's all revolvers. Yeah. So Sarah shot shot open, I shot limited. Um, But no, it was great. I found out the the guy who was running it, who's now running it, he's a great guy. I've shot with him a ton of times. Uh, He's actually starting up his own, uh, uh, like, uh, training company. Uh, so he started out with like, oh, he's going to offer pal, our pal hunting, you know, your standard stuff. And then he wanted to create something where like, oh, like, here's what you do after our pals. Because like we all know, you get your license and it's like, OK, go buy a gun. And it's like, well, what do I do when I buy my gun? It's like, that's not my problem. That's your problem. It's like, well, that doesn't really make any sense. Right. Like, I'm not saying that we should make our licensing system any harder, but it just seems really weird that like. You get your license, but you get virtually no experience, and you just have to go yeah. figure it out for yourself. So he's trying to start a company where, like, he you walk it like, okay, you got your pal, great. So like, you're gonna come back, whatever, next week, a month later, and we're gonna do your basic, you know, rifle, handgun, whatever, and like, you you essentially progress through everything he has, and he even has a, a black badge instructor now, so. Essentially, he can walk you right through from like you get your license all the way up to getting your black badge and competing. Oh, so. wow. mm-hmm. that's a great idea. Yeah. 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 And uh, he, because of he's ex-military, ex-police, ex-all these things, he has all these great contacts. And he even said, like, oh, he's planning on, you know, bringing in, you know, uh, long-range shooters, you know, your tactical shotgun guy and, like, being able to offer, you know, the, the whole gambit of training. So, yeah, pretty excited about that. Hopefully I'll get to do some training with him. But, yeah. That's a good resource to have because you're right. Because when you, when you come out of your license, you don't have any practical experience. There's no live fire component. There's no actual, uh, except for you know handling guns that are inert. You don't actually learn how to shoot. They they tell you on paper how to shoot, but you don't have yeah. like the uh, like the driver's test where you have the practical test. It, that's so yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. So he trying to he trying to bridge that gap, right. So that's uh, I'm I'm really happy for him. And he even said, you know, could I ask him like, hey, give me all your contact info because every once in a while I get people who come up and either they just got their license and they want to compete but they don't know how to get into it. Well, this is great. I can now say, hey, contact this guy and he's gonna essentially walk you right through all the way up to your black badge. Or I even get from time to time people who email me and say like, hey. I want to get into shooting. Where do I start? Oh, great. Now I even have someone like someone that I know and I know him. He's a good guy. Like I'll send them his way so that he can get more business and uh, they can get good training. Well, I think the problem is these days is that we don't have the type of mentorship that we used to have years ago. People are getting into it, you you know, years ago. They usually had a brother or an uncle or dad. And these days you've got a lot of people getting into it without other family members. They don't have a mentor, somebody to teach them. So something like that, I think it's a great, uh, great idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I I do, too. You think you'd come on the show, and maybe we can get a discount on training? There you go. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, well, I'll definitely talk to him. I don't know about the discount on training part, but um, (laughs) the podcast part, he might be be game for that. All right. Sounds good. Okay, so 
this week's topic actually is Amanda's suggestion. It's going to be knife safety. So we're going to cover knife safety in the home, the field, and EDC because there's all kinds of environments that you're going to be using your knife in. But no, not everybody's into pocket knives or EDC, but a knife is a tool that we all use daily. And I'm sure we've all cut ourselves at least once or twice in our lifetime. It's a great tool when used correctly, but it can also be a very dangerous tool when not used safely. So I went looking to see what I could find online. And actually, um, the Ottawa Public Health Safety has a, a, a very informative poster. And it's basically for at home safety. So at home, it basically, you want to use the proper grip. You want to point the blade away from your body when you're cutting away. You always want to use the cutting board, and you want something non-slip so when the cutting board doesn't slide on you. Um, you don't want to be distracted. Uh, do not leave the knife edge near the counter or tab or tables that are full of, or in sinks full of soapy water. I cut myself mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago in the soapy water. That is I've that is had, a very common one, Tom. Yeah, and Super I actually. I had a, a sharp. I was sharpening the knives, and I had it in the counter. I hadn't put it in the block yet a couple weeks ago, and the dog jumped up on the counter. Now she just hit the handle, Ugh. but if if, it would, if I'd been had the knife pointed the other way, so you know, knife safety at home is is, is important as well. Um, and it says here, use knives only for cutting food. And I would, if you've got kitchen knives, use your kitchen knives. You know, don't don't switch your knives because you don't want to do cross contamination. You don't want to be using your your work knife in the kitchen. You want to keep those separate if you can. Um, carrying knives with the blade pointed downwards, uh, keep knives sharp and do not try to catch a falling knife. And I've actually seen somebody try to do that and get cut just like a, uh, a falling gun. If it falls, whether you're transferring it or it comes off the table, just step back and let it fall. You yep. know, if, if you break it, if you break a tip, you break a tip. It's better than going through your foot, right? I would say then, that's my, my favorite dance move when the knife drops, because it happens quite often to me, is like where I yeah. do the shuffle back. Yes. And I just like jump my feet back as far as I can, and I tend to reach my hands out for, in front of me just so that I don't fall forward. And it's quite hilarious, but really and truly, one of my biggest fears with knives is cutting my toes off. So I don't know. Um, but I, I know I'm being safe, so I really don't care what I look like. Yep. <laughs> That's a great I think move. we've all done I, a little knife dance. <laughs> so the actually the the second thing they, they they highlight is cleaning a knife. So wash and dry a knife as soon as possible and put it away. Uh, especially if you're processing food, you, you don't want it to get contaminated. You could be using a blade steel like D2 that's semi-stainless, and I've got some stainless knives that say say stainless. You leave them out for 10 minutes of resting. So yeah, as soon as you finish dry, put it away. And lay the knives flat, never on back and the edge, because you don't want them flipping over. And storing. They have some good suggestions for storing, too. Uh, wooden block is what they suggest, or wall-mounted magnetic strips. They're great. Or racks or trays. And they suggest away from open flames or extreme heat. Yes, I've melted knives on the stoves before, too. The one thing they suggest is separate from other utensils. And this is one thing I've yelled at my wife many, many times. Because you've got the utensil drawers, and then she has these useless bread knives that are serrated that I never use. But she uses them, and they're stuck in underneath the flippers, everything else. I don't know what happened to the leather, the little covers for them. So uh, yesterday, I actually wrapped them all up in tape, wrapped them in cardboard, and I threw them out. So nice. I no longer have unsafe <laughs> knives in the drawer. And there's actually, I put photos has, of it further on down, too. We, we will talk about it. And the other thing they suggest... That... No, Sorry, because what no, I did... Has she noticed that they're I... gone yet? No, she hasn't noticed. Shh. <laughs> 
But I got a block of knives, and mm. she likes uh-huh. the little paring knives. And the little paring knives are right near the front, so she goes for the ones that I keep on the block. Then she throws them in the dishwasher, and I got to sharpen them again. But that's another story. Um, <laughs> and then you want to use the right knife for the right job, right? So, say, for example, they've got two examples of knives. They've got a chef knife, which is a, a long blade, so it's ideal for chopping and slicing most foods. And then, like, a smaller knife, like a paring knife. So you don't want to use, say, like a paring knife on a tomato where it's going to be too short for it and you're, you're going to stretch it out. So that's what the, the public Ontario, or sorry, Ottawa Public Health Services has. Um, Mike has a question about carrying a knife. You have a question, Mike? Yeah, so this goes back to, I remember when I was a kid, and I think it was actually an axe originally that my dad was telling me about how to carry an axe properly. You know, you don't hold it by the handle and swing the head around because you almost hit your own leg. You know, stupid stuff that kids do. Um, but one of the things I remember he told me about the way that he carried it was so, so and I this applies beyond onto knives and stuff, it's that uh, the way you carry a knife is with the blade, how do I say it, the toward the bottom of your hand not toward the top when you're just walking and the idea is is that when you fall and you put your hand in front of you to catch yourself the blade is away from your head and not towards your head have you guys ever heard that is that just a crazy thing that my dad taught me or no no it's, it's a good safety point it's it's similar with knives in general right you hold especially them downwards if you're going to somewhere so if you fell you're gonna fall handle first and the knife is gonna damage itself on the ground etc right yeah Okay. I just remember that from being – well, it says here specifically about uh, carrying carrying knives with pointed blade downward, but I just wonder about, you know, carrying it – I don't know how you'd call that – reverse grip or something like that where the blade is yeah. at the bottom of your hand. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of want it upside down, uh, blade outwards. Yeah. That makes sense, right? So if you fell, yeah. the, the actual cutting edge is going to hit the floor first, so you, you're going to be pretty safe. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I would much rather break a knife than get a knife in my eye, you know. Oh, yeah. it's me too. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're always, it's always There's better a lot to of leave it. I'd rather do than get a knife in the eye. <laughs> I, I can count a couple of things that maybe I'd rather have the knife in the eye, but, you know, we'll talk about that in another show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's always best to leave it, unless you're actually using it, leave it in the scabbard or leave it in the sheath. You know, you don't want to be walking. And, you know, if you're, if you're yes. using it, it's one thing, but if you're traveling, store it away just to be on the safe side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess my biggest thing with, with knife safety is is, is the, the old adage that a dull knife is dangerous. It will slide when you want it to cut, and then, and, and, and then when it stops, it'll start sliding. Um, if, it's, if it's dull, you're going to be adding so much extra pressure than you need to use, and then you risk slipping as well too. So if you're going to use a knife, keep it sharp. I, I, I see my wife out there. She's got the, those serrated ones that I threw out. She's got a loaf of bread there, and she's squishing the crap out of that thing. And she's sawing that thing like it's a hacksaw trying to get through. So I just take one of my straight my straight edges. I just take the edge and just shk, one slice, it's in half. So. Yeah. That is uh, probably rule number one. Because then think of this. If you were to cut your finger with, say, a dull edge versus a razor-sharp edge, uh, the dull edge is going to rip and tear the cut, whereas the razor's edge is going to make a nice uh, straight cut through your flesh. And I, I'm not saying it's nice you know, and it's good. This is still a bad scenario, but a lot easier to stitch up and fix than a dull, mangled edge. True. True. Especially if it's uh, serrated, it just tears it right to pieces. Serrated, no good. <laughs> no. Well, well, the only thing serrated is good for is, wood, is rope. 
Yeah, serrated, serrated with rope, uh, 100%. Um, also, the whole fallacy of self-defense knives, serrated, yes, 100%. But uh, any other task? No, it's straight edge. Keep it razor sharp. Strop it every time, you you know, every day or whatever if you can. It only takes a few seconds, a couple of passes. Keep that thing razor sharp, and uh, you take care of it. It's going to take care of you. So one of the questions they, they threw in here is, um, how often do you sharpen your kitchen knives, and what angle or sharpness do you prefer? Is this for me? I think it's for both of us because it says ask the experts. Neither of us are experts, by the way. Whoever put that in, <laughs> we're all we're all just we're just not knife dudes. We're we're hobbyists. That's that's, that's about what, it. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I do the kitchen knives, um, I bought a Spyderco sharp maker. It's a uh, sharpening system that I bought years ago when I was first getting into them because it's the easiest thing. It has set angles of 15 degrees and 20 degrees and you put the rods in and away you go and you get a great edge regardless. I only use the 20 degree side, honestly, and I'll just go and I'll do that. And, uh, it doesn't take very long and you're going to have a nice sharp edge, 20 degrees, perfect for almost everything you're going to do. Um, so that, that's, that's my, that's my thing. And I mean, you sharpen them whenever it needs it. Right. Yeah. How often do you find yourself sharpening the knives? It depends on how badly my wife ruins them. <laughs> exactly. That's that's exactly it. <laughs> Honestly, if it was if it was me using them, they would be such better condition. But um, you know, there's a little bit less care of how it plops <laughs> on the counter, or oh, I am going to toss it in the empty side of the sink, or this and that and the other, right? Or it depends on what she's opening. Um, so. Again, I mean, it can be once a month. It could be, you know, once a week, honestly. Uh, if you let them go dull, that's the big problem because you're going to be taking more material off when you resharpen. Uh, so I prefer just using the really light ceramic stones, the really fine ones, and you can just do a couple passes, and away you go. The edge is straight. You're centered. You're, you're sharp as heck. Okay, so, so what the uh, – sorry, Mike. I'm just going to interject here. So when I have a hard time figuring out other than, like – what you guys are pointing out saying like, you know, if you're finding that your knife is sliding or, or that you have to use an immense amount of pressure, what are some other telltale ways of being able to know it's time to sharpen? Because I frankly don't have a clue. Use a piece of paper. Try to cut that paper. Okay. And if that paper does, okay. There's a trick to that too, because uh, certain sides, the uh, small, top and bottom seem not to slice as well even with a razor sharp knife use the long sides take it take your knife and go and what you're going to do is start at the base and as you make your cut you're going to slide it slowly towards you and then that's going to use the entire length of the blade and you're still going to be slicing 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 when you find it catches on something that's where either some damage is or an edge roll or it's been dulled so yeah you're going to go back and uh touch it back up on the stones You'll okay. feel it as soon as it goes through the paper and it snags. You, you'll, you'll feel it right away. That's right. It'll be jagged cuts. Okay. It'll because tear instead of slice. I know a lot of people tend to use their thumb to kind of like feel across the blade. And I know like kind of goes with this. I'm assuming it's very similar to when uh, you're sharpening skates. Like there's a certain edge that you want to feel. But I don't know. Is that really a safe way of checking if your knife is sharp is to but run sh- your thumb shaving, on it? Shaving your arm here. There <laughs> Honestly, people do the shave arm hair all the time. Lynn Thompson, a cold steel, that guy is an animal, and he did it all the time, and it was hilarious, and I love it. Um, I use, uh, like, my fingernails, honestly, and I'll uh, 
as you can hear, I'm, I'm playing right now. I'll start at my tip, it'll catch, and I'll just run it along, rotating it slightly along my nail. And if it skips anywhere, I know that's where my hiccup is in my edge. Okay, cool. Thank you for answering that for me. No problem. And it's there's another one. How often do you replace your kitchen knives? Um, probably the same as first one, as, as soon as my wife destroys them. Yeah, never. Like, I mean, I don't think I've replaced it in, uh, uh, you know, living with her for, what, 12 years. We, we bought one set, and, I mean, it's been pretty good. As long as, excuse me, as long as you're not uh, snapping them in half, your kitchen knives, even being cheapies, like we got, should last you quite a while. Okay. Oh, yeah, it, was, I asked, it would take I asked, years to wear them down. Yeah, even I cheap. This, I asked Sorry. this question, and I think I got a knife block when I first moved into my first house. I don't know what. 13 years ago i'm gonna guess um and like we still have the same knife block we still have the same ikea knives and like the ikea knives are my favorite one don't ask me why it's just like your favorite <laughs> burner you just pick one and it becomes your favorite one forever and like we still have them and it's like oh like should i be replacing these or is like do they have a lifespan outside of obviously like breaking them in half that obviously kills them but i didn't know if they like wear out no no as long as you have a safe handle to your usable edge as long as you feel safe using them as well use them until they're like an ice pick you know what i mean uh sharp, you know sharpen <laughs> yeah. them hone them as much as you see fit um good knives should last a lifetime and you can hand them down well i okay. ended up buying yeah, like your bow casing knives right like steak, steak knives steak knives and i really enjoy those but i have um like four or five steak knives that I probably got from Walmart I don't know how long ago. I should probably throw those ones out. But typically I let my kids use that one for when they're cutting cheese or maybe some celery or something like that because I want them to get practice with sure. knives. But, and I do like the grooves for the, the handle on those ones because you can see that it's a full tang yeah. on, on them, right? So, I mean, considering they were Walmart, not so bad, right? But at the same time, I because it's a serrated edge, I am a little concerned about sharpening them, I guess. You shouldn't have to. Well, again, that's where the Spyderco Sharpmaker comes into play. And, I mean, it might be 80 or $90, but you're going to spend it once, you know. And uh, they come with a triangle rod instead of a round rod for sharpening. So you have a flat edge and you have a point. So you can sharpen serrations on that if you need to. Also, don't use serrations on steak. Use a very sharp, plain edge. Save those juices. Trust me. Well, yeah, that's why I like the OKC knives that I got. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really happy with those, considering. Like, oh, it, it's really hard to buy what I thought was reasonable price, but I wanted quality knives. But I am pretty pleased with those ones. Are you? Do you like well, them? Yeah. 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 Those yeah. are the ones. Those are the ones you and I talked about last year. They've got 14 C28 and steel in, don't they? Yes, they do. So. Yeah. So yeah, they're perfect. They're decent. Yeah. 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 Pretty, pretty. Pretty. I need another four though. I think because the four was almost two hundred dollars. I'm not mistaken, which isn't really that bad, but you know. That'll be. Well, <laughs> that's a decent quality steak knife for that for that price. And then yeah. when you touched up, seriously. Spyderco Sharpmaker, easiest way to do it, even for a novice. And I mean, I'm experienced in sharpening, but I still use it for everyday stuff. You look well, it up. I so need it's, all the it, help I can get, Paul. So it, 
Trust me, the Spyderco Sharp Maker, the the base set you're gonna get. Even you touch it up on the white rods, which are ceramic, you'll just be like, wow. And it's so simple. It comes with a DVD. You can check it out or on YouTube. It's so simple to use, and you're gonna go, oh my god, these stick knives are so good, yay. Okay, then you can get me that for my birthday. How does that sound? I already have no, the Lansky. I'm not, I'm I have not. the Lansky set. How does it how does it compare to the Lansky? Now it's what like, Lansky? I say it's set. better. Yeah. What Lansky set are we talking? Oh gosh, I don't. I'm not Is sure. it the basic turn turn box one where you have the rounded rods? No, no, they're just flat stones. And but it's I got am, the angle. You can clamp the knife in, and it's got the set angles as well. Oh yeah, that that very similar process except you're using the stones. You're moving the yeah. stones instead of moving your knife. Correct. It's this. It's a very similar process. Works just as well. Just use those really fine ones so you don't take the material like waste the knife material, right? And uh, yeah, you. you the sharp makers a lot faster. You don't have to fasten your knife just up and down a couple times. Well, that that too. I mean, you don't have to flip it upside down. It. But you know, guys sometimes want to take the time to sharpen them. But yeah, for kitchen stuff, I'm just like sharp maker. Boom, 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 boom. You know. Gotcha. But cool. it's still very good. So I'm not gonna poo poo that. So so to answer Mike's question, how long do you replace your knife? Well, you until it's no longer a cuttable. A, a sliceable tool because if you've got a hollow grind you've got that you're gonna have a bit of a life but if you've got a full flat grind and you've grain you've sharpened that blade all the way up it'll be good for cutting things but it's not gonna be very effective at, at slicing things because as you sharpen as your knife gets older your tip gets a little bit thicker a little bit thicker as it wears up to the point where it's it's not as effective as it used to be so once you, you you've cut you, you've worn your edge back to it's no longer an effective slicer then i would replace the knife Depending on, on the edge that's on the knife, if, if it's a flat ground or a hollow ground. Well, and again, depends on how longer. thick the stock is, right? If it's a thin yeah. knife to begin with, you're going to get maybe some more life out of it. But it, that's why I was saying. Oh, yeah, if it's I a mean, really it thin blade, it'll last you a long time. That's right. It could be an ice pick, but you might still be able to slice with it. I don't know. As long as you feel safe, right? Yeah. So using your knife. So you basically you want to make sure that you have a safe area around you, um, a clear creating uh, what do they do? We used to call it in the, in the cadets. We used to call it the blood circle. So basically, anything within a circle around your body, you have to be aware of that whenever you're using a knife because anything comes into that circle, risk getting hurt. Um, especially if you own pets, like we were talking about the dog counting on the counter. My cat is a ninja. I've been sitting there flicking my knife, and I look up, and the cat's sitting on my lap. I didn't even see her there. So you want to create a safety circle around you when you're actually cutting anything. Um, you want to grasp the knife by the handle with your whole hand. You don't want to be doing like a little two-finger pinky grip. You want a full proper grip so it's not going to slide anywhere on you. And you want to cut in the motion away from your body and away from other people. This way, if the knife slips, it will not cut your body or the person standing near you. You also want to keep your other hand, fingers, thumbs out of the way, out of the way of the cutting line. You have to, if you have to grip an object that you're cutting, then cut away from your hand. Never cut towards your hand or your body. Um, and this is what we touched on earlier: is assisted knives. Because that blade opens up so quickly, sometimes you're not ready for it. And I've had it where I've had uh, my Gerber assist that had it. I went to hit the button, my other hand was too close, and I sliced my own finger open. So, especially if you've got an assisted knife, you've got to really be careful where your own body parts are when you when you hit that button. Have yeah. you been bitten by an assisted knife, Paul? No, I have not. It's just about uh, muscle memory on other knives and opening them. I have not been bitten by an assisted, no. And the other thing I, I discovered, I'd never actually heard of this before, it's called a triangle of death. So, they're assuming that you're if you're sitting down, 
The triangle of death is the area between your knees and your crotch, so the inside of your thighs and your groin, because you've got main veins there, mm-hmm. right? So they're, 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 the main veins are located in that triangle of death. So if you hit one of those veins, you will bleed out in a couple of minutes. So it's best to use, you know, to cut on top of something. Like sometimes I've seen people whittling or something, and I did it a couple Christmases ago. I was cutting up a blister pack with my UKPK, and it was razor sharp straight from BC, Canada. Yeah. And when I hit the edge of the package, it deflected the blow because I did it really fast. And I just, a nice little quarter inch, I ripped my whole brand new jeans and I got a nice little three inch cut on my leg because it deflected my shot really fast. So yeah, it was, was stupid good. and I got hurt. Yeah, better your lessons, yes. But, and that's actually a valid point. And really and truly, if you're going to be uh, not using a table, he should be having his elbows like closer to his knees. Yes, yes. Pushing outward. But I have a silly question, and maybe it's just in my head or not, but does anybody know if left-handers have more trouble with knife handling and using? Because I know I certainly do. I feel like a child holding a knife half the time. There's no no silly questions. Come on. Well, I have to put it out there. Well, it's silly that you're using the wrong hand, but that's. Oh. <laughs> I, I I I think we all, when we first start manipulating knives because the different actions, it's muscle memory that we're not used to. So like mm-hmm. anything, I think if you just if you if you got if you got her a nice knife, chalked, I think a Delica would look good in her pocket, something yep. like that. <laughs> um, it's solid. It's cost you 120 bucks. It's, for, it's for a best 10 It's okay. But you know, if she just if she just pra- practices that, it'll be second nature. She could be looking in another direction entirely, pop that knife open, and then flip it closed, and not even have to look at it. Yep. Well, I was just thinking about like peeling potatoes and things like that. Like I'm not very fast at all, and I don't know if it's just because I haven't taken the time to practice. Practice. You should, so you should be cooking more. Is that what oh. you're saying? Oh man, Josh. <laughs> this is live. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, are you right that that's one for Josh okay keep going she said, she okay. said it. <laughs> if he's not here next episode everyone documented it if, she, if he's not here next episode she got really good with a left handed knife really fast <laughs> um, so sorry no, they, it, it, when it comes to EDC not so much kitchen use because you're saying peel and potato you're going to want to use a paring knife or something or honestly a, a, peel, a potato peeler a peeler right well, the, the, um, there's something can be peelers, but there are some that don't actually do the lefty pull, right? Okay. Well, so you have to be careful with that. I don't know. I just feel in general, I, I feel very clumsy with a knife, and I didn't know if that was because of just lack of experience or if it was a legitimate thing, right? It, because everything is no, typically Terry, the same right-handed, way. right? So yeah, it it's the same difference. Uh, if you want something really fancy, you can get left-handed uh, versions of knives. Um, but again, Spyderco offers usually uh, ambidextrous options. So it's a matter of sitting there and kind of playing with it when you're watching TV. And you sit there and look at it, and eventually you're just going to, like Tom said, it's second nature. You're going to, you're the more you play with something, the more comfortable you're going to get, just like firearms, right? Exactly. So, what, what, I, exactly. what I did with Terry when she wanted to get her, her first knife, she's left-handed as well. Plus she's got much smaller hands. She's she's like four foot nothing, five foot nothing. So I gave her I gave her all my knives and let them op- let her open and close them. And the one she found the easiest was the Benchmade. Yep. That's right. 
because it, it, it was very but she liked the spider co opening hole she she liked that she goes well i wish the bench mate had that i said well actually it does uh-huh so she liked the the bench mate the spider co hole but she liked the access lock so she got a bench mate that had the spider co hole yeah the cryptilian and she, yeah five five zero or five 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 yeah the, the mini one would be perfect for her that's cool. Actually, she could, she's a tall lady. She could probably get away with that. Uh, well, the mini one would be good. She likes something small. But th- yeah. that's kind of thick in the well, pocket. Well, I, I have a big palm or a regular size palm, but shorter fingers. And I'm, I may be tall. I'm 5'11". So I, I can usually handle most firearms. But my hands and themselves, the whole idea is like uh, with guns, it's uh, the grips and the trigger pull. So being able to mm. manipulate all the... Uh, like the mag release and the uh, chamber lock and all that jazz, it that is probably the most difficult part for me, regardless. So yeah, maybe so, the mini grip would work better, Paul. Yeah. Maybe. It, it, again, yeah. the mini. I know it's. Uh, I, I have an XX roll, well, an XL hand, sorry, uh, for glove, and so I even enjoy the mini grip. So okay. it, I think that one might actually really fit your case and and even Tom's wife, like just just you know. Um, it's it's a great night. It doesn't matter that it says mini. It's not like it's that small. I even get away carrying it solely myself. Like, it's a great knife. The mini Gratillion, the uh, 555 has the spider hole for the ease of opening. And then you got the access lock for closing, and it's it's ambidextrous as all heck. So, yeah, that's a great knife for, for the ladies, for sure. That uh, I think that was one of the first ones I bought my wife. Yeah, Josh just pulled it up for me. I like it. Looks mm-hmm. good. Also, it comes in pink so if you, you want. You can, yeah. Ooh. Or if you want a better steel, it comes in like gray G10 that's a little bit smoother. But the uh, standard model, really good. Awesome. I'm, you know. Yeah, pink one comes in D2. I already oh, got the a fancy pink one. Rag. Comes 20 CV. Oh, excellent. The gray, the gray G10, the smooth one. That's the uh, upgraded version. They come in gray, uh, gray G10 and um, 20 CV with a blue liner looking thing of G10. But they're great, great knives. They've been around forever. Awesome. I'll have to look into yeah, that. Yeah, I like them. Yep. Okay, so what else, uh, knife safety-wise, do we have to be aware of? I guess uh, I guess passing a knife to somebody. Because you know, so, so, sooner or later, somebody's going to want to borrow your knife. Um, the safest way to pass the knife to somebody is not to, actually. It's best to put it down, put it on the table, let them pick it up. That's the safest way to do it. Um, but if you have to, the person holding the knife should hold the edge by the knife spine, so the cutting edge is facing away from you. Uh, cutting away from your hand, and pass the handle to the other person. In this way, the handler has control of the edge of the knife, and the person receiving the knife is reaching it for the handle rather than the blade itself. You want to maintain eye contact with the person with the knife at all times, and you want to confirm that they actually have it before you let it go because you don't want to risk the knife falling and getting hurt. Um, and you got to watch. Some knives require a skill set to operate. Like if somebody, uh, if I had, say, my back lock with me, I could hand it, say, my my delicate to somebody and they would have no problem opening and closing the knife if i hand them a bench made they might not be able to figure it out they certainly wouldn't be able to figure out a compression lock yeah so if you're going to hand somebody a, a knife that requires some manipulation make sure that you teach them how to use it before you actually hand it to them or uh, give them a simpler tool to use because i've i've seen people do that hand, hand a real fidgeting knife to somebody and they don't know what to do and they're going they can get hurt right yep 100 percent agree um if you don't know and you haven't played, I mean, it's new to you. It's new to them. You know what I mean? Um, you cannot hand an access lock to somebody and expect them to close it. Uh, they'll just hand it back open. They're like, I don't know how to close it. I'm like, all right. 
you know. That's exactly what happens. Yep. What do I do now? Yeah. So it's, and it's safer too, because if they, they might not want to admit that they can't, they haven't figured it out, and they could hurt themselves in the process. Well, that's so. it. They're either going to hurt themselves or damage your knife or whatever. You know, it, it's it's all in the same ballpark. Uh, so it's it's best to almost carry a carry a little backlog just to lend out. You know, and then you can carry your yeah, specs in your pocket type of thing. You know, don't give them that one. Exactly. Give them the cheap one. Yeah. So what happens, like we said earlier, uh, I had those knives in the drawer. I've actually had uh, a cheap Gerber, two cheap Gerbers, actually, that I threw in the garbage. So when you're disposing of a knife, it's true. They're I don't like Gerber. Yep. Um, and I actually had a friend of a couple of years ago um, posted a thing. Her husband was a garbage collector. And he got severely cut because somebody put a knife in a green garbage bag. Oh. He picked it up and went into his leg. So what you can you can do you can do a couple of things. You can either take the edge off it if you want, if you want to grind it off. Best thing to do is just tape up the edges and then wrap the knife in cardboard. If you're gonna hide, I, I wouldn't hide the handle. I would leave the handles exposed so people could see that they're actual knives. I just I threw out three. I wrapped them all up in, in uh, packing tape, then I put cardboard around it. Yes. So it's it's visible. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna put it in a sealed box, mark the container what's in the box. Yeah, mark that it's it's sharp knives or something. That way, you know who knows who's going to come across that box. And I've, we've all done it. We've stuck our hand in something and ouch. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I ventured onto Wish like six years ago, and I bought a Chinese version of a Medford Praetorian, which is uh, still around nowadays. And the thing that I got was, you know, uh, the same equivalent of what Greg Medford would have made. So it's garbage. Uh, I finally got sick of sitting it around, like letting it sit in my house. Um, so what I did is I took my stones and I ground the edge off. And then what I did is I folded it closed, packing taped the crap out of it, and then just threw it out. I was like, I'm done with this, man. This was not worth $10. <laughs> Yeah, even a folding knife, just brought, put tape around yep. it. If, especially if it's defective, if there's a problem with the lock bar, if, if it's an unsafe condition to operate where it can actually open up in the garbage, just tape it up. Yeah, but you were right with the other stuff. Literally, uh, you put two sheets of cardboard over that edge and packing tape the living <laughs> out of it. You know, have a little respect because it could end up anywhere. As soon as it's in that garbage bag, it, it gets opened by a raccoon at night, a kid walks by, gets poked, or the garbage man obviously stabs his light like you got to have a little bit of sense, right? I have a quick question. You said that you used the sure. stone to, to uh, dull in the knife, essentially. Did that not damage your stone, like having that edge right on it? No, it's it's a – so I, what did I use? I used the shirt maker again. I didn't put the stones in how – they have the angle which you should use it at. I put it on the back so you could use it like a bench stone. And all I did was rub the edge. Uh, so I held it perpendicular so it was a 90-degree angle and just rubbed the edge up and down along the sides, back and forth, uh, side to side. And so it was – the stone didn't know any better as if I was sharpening a knife on it, but I was taking away my edge instead. Okay. So I wasn't just like one spot sawing my edge away right okay that that's what i envisioned and i'm like i know that stone's harder than this <laughs> knife but like you do it eventually and you're gonna you know if, do a little track in it and, yeah, if, yeah if i did like a thousand knives a day like that i would end up wearing the stone down in that one spot yeah for sure i mean that yeah. happens right especially with uh when you get the actual wet stones they wear down just with even the sharpening pattern you'll end up getting divots in them this shirt maker it's a whole different story the rods are a little bit different they're ceramics and stuff so but yeah uh Good question. 
And they last a long time. They really do. That actually oh. brings up another question. You just sorry, we we're just talking about it. How often do you have to replace the the stone whatever the stone component of your sharpener, or is it like a lifetime thing? Well, oh. I'm still on my originals from you know seven years ago. Uh, the thing is, you got to clean them every now and again when they get uh, loaded with the steel from the knife. You know, eventually they're going to look a little dirty and gray, especially the white ones. You'll notice it way more than the brown rods that come with it, which are the mediums. Uh, so you can wash them with Barkeeper's Friend or like Ajax and stuff in the sink. Or there's these little things on Amazon called rust erasers, and they work amazing. You just take it and uh, away away goes your your hard work, right? They can last a long time depending on how often you're really using them. But, uh, I mean, I haven't replaced mine for, you know, seven years. Yeah. If you haven't replaced yours, then I'm never going to replace mine. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it, right? Um, I don't think you'd have a problem for just, you know, one knife or two knives and, and you just, you know, basic yeah. stuff every couple weeks. Well, it's one of those things. Yeah, right? I find like the, the, I would say like the Lansky systems, um, they end up developing an arch in the stones. They, they wear out quickly. Oh, really? And I've actually yeah, I've actually worn out two Lansky systems. Oh, not 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 the actual stones, the the clamps. They end up always end up bending and twisting. Oh. If you tighten it a little, my first one, my the first one I had was actually brass. The one I have now is uh, a painted aluminum. And I noticed that one day that uh, the knife edge was really off on uh, one of my benchmates, and I looked at the holder, and the whole holder had had bent, it warped. So I've got a really <laughs> funky angle on one side, and then another angle on the other side. So. <laughs> well, dumb, that's dumb interesting. Person. Some person question here. You do that with a Lansky, whatever you set up to your 20 degrees, like you said earlier. If the knife is tilted on an angle like that, do you not still technically have a 20 degree angle? It's just like, you know, a little to the side. Like, wouldn't that just, like, couldn't you still cut with it just fine? It just, you know, well, it's still cuts, but I, I look at it and I go, that looks terrible. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about <laughs> looks here. I'm talking about function. It'll, it'll slice paper. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd still get away with it. It's just, um, you're wearing away more material on one side of your blade now than the other, is what yeah. I. Well, then I put it through. It. Then I put it through the work sharp to try to correct it. Yeah, don't don't use the work sharp or good knives. Now, are you talking about the work sharp that has the the sanding belt? Yeah, I have the the Kenny onion. Oh, that'll, great that'll, for kitchen knives. Eat that eats a material. <laughs> It'll eat anything. You've got to be so careful, yeah. right? You know. Um, when it says practice with knives <laughs> that, you, that you don't care about destroying, they are correct. You go practice to the dollar store, you get butter knives, and you try to sharpen them. That's what you do to learn how to use that. And use, like, the finest grip belt you could use and be super light. So on a system like that, that's a whole different thing. Right. I just use a polishing belt now. Yeah, <laughs> honest, just honestly. Yeah, it, it, it almost acts like a strop, essentially, right? If you have to reprofile a, uh, a blade quickly, especially like a kitchen knife, workshop's great. But if you've got like a high quality knife, I wouldn't recommend. No. Unless you like get practice. Spyderco has those options for the sharp maker, man. I bought the CBN rods, which are uh, carbon boron nitride rods, over the diamond rods that they offer, and man, that thing eats knives. So I've reprofiled on that, and it didn't take very long. So yeah, I'm I'm a little old school, and I'm obsessed with that system. But uh, for a starter. Uh, anybody listening, that that is something to, to look into. Now, do you use those for the maximum? No. Uh, despite popular belief, I, I mentioned it on the Knivesman earlier today. Uh, for Maximit, an extremely hard to sharpen steels like this. Uh, I bought another set of rods for it, the Ultra Fine Ceramics. And you're just going to pass it along it nice and lightly. 
and it will uh, straighten and fix that edge for you. I had a chip in my Maximit native from chipping ice off of uh, the mirror in my truck, and it took it out of it with a little bit of work. So, so believe it or not, it's not the really abrasive stones that fix the super hard steels. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it blew my mind. I don't have maximum yet. That's what I was asking. Yeah, just uh, you know what? Avoid, the one avoid, avoid the whole have. headache. Just uh, get some crew wear, and I think you'll be a happy dude. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna cave and get crew. Get wear. a crew. Get some so, crew wear, and you're gonna be like, I need everything in crew right now. It's this is getting an expensive hobby. Oh, Everybody buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, like I mean, firearms are plenty expensive, but I mean, knives can be just as fun and. Tasteful for, you know, as much money as you want to spend on a firearm. <laughs> At least you don't have to Well, when you get in the, the, the higher-end ones, when you get in the higher-end ones, it's like a firearm because you're going for the fine fit and finish and the workmanship and the materials and everything else. Yeah, just... if you want to go that edge and uh, spend $3,000 on a knife and then you feel like using it, by all means, man. I would rather use that than spend $3,000 and sit there and look at it, right? I'm not a collector. I'm a user. So I might – I still buy, you know, I bought a – Friggin' six hundred dollar a spot XL from Cold Steel the other week, and uh, I'm not gonna use it. <laughs> like that thing is just huge and amazing, and I love it. And I, I bought it. What the overall length is what two feet on that thing? So the blade itself is seven point five inches, and the total reach on it I think it is at sixteen inches. So yeah. So if you go canoeing and lose your paddle, you can use your knife. Yes. This, yeah, hundred percent, man. You could use this thing for for anything you dream of, honestly. Like it, it is enormous, but I bought it because it was beautiful and fun, and I wanted it for years. That is my collection piece. You know what I mean? I can't spend three thousand on fancy Mokum handles and uh, a blade that I don't even know the steel of, just because it's garbage steel, maybe. And then I'm gonna use it, and it's gonna suck. And then I'm out that money. I can't flip it. So um, I kind of draw the line with production knives. You know, I'm like, I'll stick with production. I'm happy. There's some nice production knives out there. Like, there really are. Some, like some of the, like I've got a Chaparral and yes. a Capera from the Tai Chi factory. Yep. The fit and finish on these things is perfect. The Chaparral I mean, really nice, and I'm glad you got one because that's very close to the native family, which I love. And I love. Oh, I've got a couple of natives. So that's why I got it. Yeah. It's like yes, a mini, you have, mini I knew native. you had the 110, the S110V. My favorite. Yeah, I've got the. <sighs> I've got the fluted carbon fiber with the S90 and the 110. Oh, the fluted carbon fiber one too. If you want to move that, you let me know. I paid that when a dollar was higher. high. <laughs> no, you, hey. Okay, okay, we're having our our, our, our Stay quiet. we're getting carried away. <laughs> Sorry, no, so we're the, the other time. <laughs> so the other time we really have to worry about knife safety is a lot of us EDC. Okay. So this isn't really a safety thing, but it's it's for your own safety that I'm going to say this. Because when you're EDCing uh, a knife, you're carrying your origin, the oldest original hand tool. Remember that when dealing with law enforcement. Choose your words carefully. Never state that you're carrying a pocket knife just in case something happens. That would show intent and is a violation of the criminal code. Um, you mentioned even hint that you're carrying something with the intent to have it as a weapon, you're going to lose your knife, you're going to get arrested. So it's a tool. Just remember, if you're dealing with law enforcement, it's a tool. I use it for work. I use it for this. But never say just in case and leave yourself into possible legal troubles. 100%. It, it, it yeah. is a tool, period. 
Uh, yeah. So they say, uh, are you carrying any weapons? No. No. They pat you down. They find the knife. That's a tool officer. Okay. So that's, that's, I mean, I cross an international border multiple times on a weekly basis being a truck driver and they never ask me, never do anything. And I, I, I just, my knife is a tool and that's why I carry it. Yeah. It's fun to take pictures of it and put it online and get likes, but it's at heart a tool that I love, you know, and that I don't want to not carry because even being a truck driver, I need it for this, that, and the other. And, you know, it, it, the problem is, it's unless you're trained to use a knife as a defensive weapon, it's a very poor choice as a defensive weapon. Yeah. It's it's just not designed for that. You have to have training, and I don't have it. My training would be, I would run. Yep. That would be my training. If, if I had to a situation where I had to, I felt I needed a weapon, I would run. And if I was ever going to legally carry a, a, something as a weapon with the intention, it would be a firearm. It wouldn't be a knife. Well, that's right. But we don't get that luxury here in Canada. We don't get that luxury up here. So, so a lot of people do have the fallacy of uh, a knife is protection without uh, properly getting trained or even, you know, simulating some sort of scenario, etc. Um, but they'll buy these knives that are designed. Cold Steel's a little bit guilty of this. They do design a lot of knives that are based for self-defense and unless you've which, trained with that which, specific model i mean you're just carrying a huge thing that looks menacing and looks like it's meant to hurt somebody so you're going to have a hard time justifying that to an officer if you were, suddenly were doing something where you're getting pat down saying it's a tool when you have a five and a half inch s-wave serrated vaquero in your friggin pocket well, there's also a little thing in the law saying knives to die, designed to be used as weapons. So you can still get charged. So if you're EDCing, carrying something, carry something practical, something that you're actually going to use 100%. EDCing. You don't want something sticky and stabby, even though they can be fun to play with. Um, you got to realize, as you said, if you're if you're out, say, in public. And actually, I had a whole bunch of stuff in here. I was going to rewrite it, and I erased it, and I forgot to do it. So now I'm going by memory. I was on the TT. I always carried a pocket knife when I was with the TTC. Usually, I had a, a knife in a sheath, so it was visible, and, and it was a blue sheath. And it was a blue buck knife. Nobody cared about the blue knife. Right. But I had I had a Karen had a meltdown on a, a bus one day when I was working because she saw my pocket knife. The lady just freaked that I had a knife on the T. It was in my sheath. So after that, I started carrying deep carry. Yeah. So I, I I don't carry anything that prints. I'll carry something small, three inch. You don't want to have three inches of your knife sticking out of your pocket because that's going to, first of all, law enforcement's going to spot it right away if they see you. And you risk having it taken off you, actually. If you're in a crowded subway system, rush hour, and you've got three inches of your blade sticking out of your pocket, somebody's going to take it. Yeah. Never mind complain that you have a knife on you. So you want to be discreet. You want to match what you have to your environment. So if you're going to downtown Toronto, you know you're going to be dealing with Neils and Karens everywhere. So... Do, do discreet, put something really small in your pocket or yes. put it in a jacket pocket. Just, just don't advertise, I got a knife, because that, that'll cause you issues. That's exactly it. I think we've covered a little bit of that on the knivesman as well. It's uh, all about caring for your surroundings. So, again, it boils down to common sense. Sometimes we lack it. Um, if you need a little bit something bigger, the uh, Benchmade Bugout, honestly, the uh, size for the weight and the imprint is invaluable 
it's so good. But again, you're carrying something downtown. You might only need that ladybug, that spiderco ladybug or something, right? So um, again, being aware of your surroundings, that that's huge. And a lot of the stuff I do, I, I attach to what type of clothes I'm wearing that day. Yep. So if I'm, I know Jeff Bell always teases me when I say skinny jeans. If I'm skinny, I wear skinny jeans. <laughs> so if I've got my tight pants on and I'm just trucking around with the dog or whatever or shopping at Walmart, I don't want my Mannix 2 sticking out because everybody's going to see it. That's Even the detailed right. clip, it's so big, it just it, you can see it. Yes. So I'll go for something like the bug out. Yep. Or I have um, a Ferrum Forge Stinger. It's really thin. It just fits in there. But depending – if I've got my bigger – like my work jeans on, which are a little more – it's a thicker material, sure, I'll put a bigger knife in it because it's just going to disappear. That's right. But you don't want it – just like a gun, you don't want it to print because people are going to see it is what I'm trying to say, I guess. 100%. You're drawing attention to yourself when you don't need it, especially yeah. if you know, your shirt doesn't overhang the top of your pockets, et cetera. Uh, there's so many factors. But, yeah, um, <laughs> that's a huge thing. And, again, I carry the natives a lot. And when you pull those out, and, oh, he's got a weapon, it's like that looks like a work knife. And I – I mean, it does. It's a great knife, though. Um, so it's good for all carries. It's not super long, not threatening. You know, it's it's one of my favorite models that Spider-Go offers. And I can't recommend that one enough to somebody that's maybe trying to get into this hobby, anybody listening. Um, the Native 5, um, the plastic handle version, honestly, it's really, really good. Uh, I like it just a smidge more than the G10 versions. That's, that's the one that got me addicted to knives was the Native 5. I, I was working at uh, SHOT Show, and the guy that I was working with um, used to be a former Spyderco employee. He was a sales rep there for like 20 years, and he took me over, and he introduced me to Sal oh. and some of the gang. And uh, you know, Sal said, what do you want to see? I said, I want something under three inches, non-assisted, made in Canada. And the first thing he pulled out was an 805. Then he did fancier versions. And I kept coming back to the, the FRN, because even though I don't like the plastic handles on these things, oh. The ergos are fantastic. This thing sticks to your hand like glue. Somehow. I mean, you pick it up. Yeah, it, it just doesn't move, whether you choke up on it or whatever. And then being a backlock, it drops shut. You can open and close it one hand, no problem. This would be a perfect Just a smidge over the five. G10. Just a smidge over the G10 is that FRN on that Native 5. It's so good. Oh, I, I, everybody that's else what, that's what dead. sold me. Everybody else has just been dead um, this episode. Guys, since you're silent, I hope you're on Amazon right now trying to buy a Native 5. FRN. <laughs> Whatever no, word you'd like. Right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's sitting there uh, browsing through every time you name something. He's like, oh, i got to pull it up. So you know, just, since yeah. we're all in Canada, too, you go to Warriors and Wonders or SNR Knives. Um, you look up their sites, look up the Native 5 with the FRN handles. Yeah, it's plastic, but trust me, it doesn't flex. It is Oh, oh! It's on sale right now. Well, I think it's I think 170. I think with the on Warriors and Wonders, maybe you should just buy it for the like, S110. Also, oh, oh, oh! If you're on Warriors and Wonders, they have a pink one, S30V. Get it? Yeah, you, yeah. You can get a G10 one for less money than that, SV30. Yeah, the the FRN, uh, the S30 pink one was still there the other week. I was going to get another another one. I, I love it. I love uh, I I thought about it. I did think about it, but then my wife would take it, so I didn't get it. That's why you get two. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Don't tell her. I think I think wait, one of the wait, reasons wait, wait, too wait, that wait, the native. Wait, 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 Thomas. Did you not win a Kino again? I did. Hey, okay. that was a private message to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to get into saying more. Isn't that uh, knife money there? So. Yes, yes. I did. I did win one hundred and twenty-five dollars yesterday again on, on my Kino number. So yeah, I, I could. I guess I could buy her pink. Now he's going to Worries and Wonders and getting one of those pink natives. 
Well, you know what appeals to me about the native is, and, and what turns people off on Spartaco is the huge hump. People don't like that big thumb wrap. They're not used to it. But the native doesn't have that. That's right. It's a straight leaf blade. Yes. That's what attracted me to it because I never liked the big hump until I actually handled the knife with the big hump. And I could say, oh, that's why people like this because it's so easy to manipulate. Oh, and you've got that but the native because it's lax. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the PM2 was my first uh, actual Spyderco versus the, you know, the Tenacious. Everybody gets that for the first one kind of thing. The PM2 was my first one, the paramilitary too, and it was awesome, and I loved it. But then I found the native years later, which was unfortunate. I wish I found it sooner, so I could have got in on more of the uh, sprint drops. But uh, what I, I wanted with this one, it, sorry, this thing came out originally. S110 had liners. Yes. And just as I got in the knives, they stopped production with the liners, and it was linerless. And I, uh, that's no, the one I wanted. Was it? You're not, one you're with not missing the, the G10 without the liners is awesome because I mean it's a big chunk of fiberglass, man. It's not going anywhere. Oh no, this thing doesn't flex at all. You need a pair of pliers to get this thing to flex. Well, that's it, right? So you're you're only missing weight, which is fine, right? And it's just like the FRN, man. You don't need liners. And I mean, they did that with the G10 now. Oh, damn, the native. I can't speak highly enough about that model. Yeah. And it's made in USA. Yep. And it, 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 it's a quality-made knife. You know. So anything else you can suggest for EDCs? We're, we're talking about, you don't want to be, the other thing I would suggest, don't be fidgeting with your knife in public. If you're sitting there at a bus yeah. stop or whatever, don't pull it out and start fidgeting with it. Keep it in your pocket. Like Save that for the office or when you're not around. Because I've seen people do that. I've seen kids with battle songs at bus stops. Kid, you're going to get busted. <laughs> now see, that? yeah, that's, that's just being stupid, right? It's not using your head. So, I mean, the knife's there to be a tool. Um yeah, you're not wanting to flash it around. I mean, I can, I'll can i bust it out and pick up my nails once in a while, like in a Walmart, but I'm not pulling out something crazy, right? I know what I have, so I'll sit there and I'll pick a piece of dead skin off my nails because it's annoying the crap out of me. And uh, that's well, If it, I'm right? using it, I, I, I'll pull it out. Like I was, I was at Walmart the other day and I had the stupid tags for this hat I want to put on. I stopped and I put the hat down. I cut all the tags off, put everything in the garbage. The Walmart employee's looking at me. I put it in my pocket. Never said anything. Yeah, I've done the same thing. If you're actually using it... That's, I, that's what I've done with like shoes for my daughter. We'll go to Walmart, grab some shoes or whatever, and I'll cut the the elastic string between them so she can actually wear them and walk down the aisle for a minute, you know. So. Well, yeah, you want to buy some mitts and see how they fit, and everybody has different size hands. Well, you can only try one out at a time because your other mitt's stuck up. It's well, yeah, I always cut them apart. That's right. It's those little things, right? And people are like, eh, and they'll rip and you know you look like a Hulk trying to rip that thing apart. And I mean, eh, I can just go. That's it. Other other safety so the other things? things? I mean, shoot. Well, well, I think another safety thing is like maintaining your knife for for two reasons: for safety and for hygiene. I think that's another thing we should touch yes. on, um, especially uh, a folding knife because it holds all kinds of uh, crap in it. Um, even some of the bearing knives. Um, I, I I'm one of these people. I wear talcum powder. Yep. <laughs> Within three days, I gotta clean it up. Yep. Um, because basically our pockets are crud collectors and will slow down your knife's action in less than a week. Uh, it actually could, if it gets dirty enough, it could interfere with the lock cup. Yes. Um, and then if you're hunting, you got to worry about bacteria and everything else. So if you're hunting, you want to use a totally different knife. I would suggest not using a folding knife for hunting unless that's all you've got. Because no matter what you do, you're still going to get bodily fluids inside the lock up and everything. And uh, keep basically just keep your pot, your your knife in your pocket until you're ready to. to be ready to use it basically is what i'd suggest yeah hunting and we uh, had another sh- sorry go ahead so somebody had another sharpening question in here 
Oh, oh that was a straight uh, 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 Obviously, you answered all my questions pretty much already. Uh, you know, and it was just going to be, have you sharpened with serrations and other specialized tools? Yeah, and it was, again, the Spider-Crush Sharp Maker comes prepared for serrations, and it does a damn good job. Yeah. Have so, try and go we'll, go, we'll go to the, the, the final part, and that is deep carrier or shallow carry. What do you prefer, Paul? I I don't care because I don't flash stuff around and I'm not making a scene. Um, honestly, like a lot of mine come with deep carry nowadays, and, and I do like deep carry. Um, but having the clip a little bit down and having the butt end poking up doesn't annoy me. I mean, um, I had a couple Manix, and the one I left the stock clip on, the other one I put a deep carry just for fun. And, uh, I mean, I love them both equally. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, I've got a deep carry. I've got two Manix. i got the, the Blorpo one, and I've got the S30V. And I like the S30V for one for work. And I don't mind it sticking out of my pocket because I'm using it so much. I don't even have to look. I can just I can access it really quickly. Uh, and if I'm out in public, I usually carry a deep have a deep carry. Depends depends what I'm doing. But like you said, I don't touch it. I usually just once it's in my pocket, unless I'm going to use it, I don't take it out. But I'd rather have it concealed if possible, or so people think it's a pen instead of a knife. I. I think I'm past, like in my life, I'm less like, I'm past what people think. If they think it's a knife and the security guard's going to come up and be like, you got a knife, let's see it. And then I pull out a, like, <laughs> a little ass knife with the handle or even like a native or something poking out. Like the native doesn't come deep carry on, uh, on the model. So I'm like, whatever, look, it's a tool. What do you want from me? You're right. I'm kind of past that. Yeah, I would do the opposite. Here. I, I would snap and I said, my personal property is none of your damn business. And you have no right to, act to see any of my personal property. Like, well, you know, see, you have you have the office job, whereas I'm on the other spectrum. I'm, I'm blue-collar boy driving a truck all the time, and I'm in a truck stop with the knife hanging. I could have a sheath with the, my fixed blade Adamas hanging off me, and they wouldn't care, right? Yeah. You know, so it, it all depends, again, surroundings. Yeah. But, yeah, you just be, just be aware of your surroundings. And like, the other safety thing is if you're if you're out, especially if you're EDCing, is, is practical uh, practice switch, uh, situational awareness. Yes. You know, be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Hundred percent. We we had an episode with uh, who's a little guy with the Glock, Brian Sheets. <laughs> He'll kill me if he hears that. <laughs> but you know, we we had him on for a show about situational awareness, and it's probably one of the most important things you could do when you're out. So, it, you know, if, if you're worried about your safety, just be aware of your surroundings and where you're going and the time of day. There's there's some great courses online. There's some great information about situational awareness. And I think you know, especially if you're traveling in the city, you gotta have it. You gotta be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, yeah, I I agree 100%. So. I have a question. You guys keep talking about your deep carry. Um, have you ever been cons- uh, concerned about being accused of concealed carrying? Because I remember that when I bought my knife and the guy kind of said, like, oh, you want your knife poking out a little bit so that you you never get accused of concealed carrying. Whereas you drop it in your pocket, all of a sudden it's not visible, then it's automatically concealed carry. But the clip's hanging out. It's not concealed. Well, that's, sure. That's, yeah. all I'll, that's all I'll say. I mean, it's not concealed. My yeah. clip is on the outside. Um, what am I concealing? A tool? Yeah. Right? I, yeah, I, I agree that it's a tool. Yeah. I'm not arguing it. I'm just thinking I've heard of that <laughs> as like, uh, you know, they, if they want to take it a step further than just, oh, it's a knife, 
Now he's concealing a knife. Now it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, he's carrying it for, with intention because he's concealing it. A hundred percent. That all depends. Just try that, to that be all nice depends to the officer. What, <laughs> it depends what's happening with the officer at the time. Yeah. If you're just chatting with him and it's, you're getting a ticket for speeding or something, it's, I don't think that's ever going to come up. But if you're under arrest and he's looking for – if he wants to arrest you, basically, and he's looking for charges, yeah. he can do it. He'll find a lot something. of times they may not have enough to hold you, but he'll say, well, I'll charge you for this and I'll hold you for that. And he's got you. So. Yeah, yeah that's a damned if you do and damned if you don't scenario because it depends on the officer's temperament. Um, yeah, true. You know, I have the clip out. It's not concealed. You can see I have a clip of something in my pants. I'm not calling it a weapon. And I never will. It's a tool. If I'm already getting detained for something, they're like, well, do you have anything sharp or something that can stab me? It's like, well, I do have a, a tool in my, my pocket that you can remove, and there you go, right? But uh, let's all try not to get in that scenario, right? People seem to yeah. Yeah. fantasize about that scenario, and honestly, I think it's fairly rare that – if you're breaking yeah. one law, try not to break another one in the the process type of thing. Um, what, yeah, what they'll do a lot of times, they'll, they'll especially if you've been accused of something that's not very good, uh, they'll lay a litany charges because if something else doesn't stick, they've got you in other charges. So a lot of right. times they'll, they'll do layers and layers of charges just to nail you for everything. That way, it's easier, harder for you to, to get off all the charges. Yeah. That's exactly it. Which isn't a bad idea. Like, if you're going after a bad guy and you can't get him on what you want him for, but you can get him on something else and you know he's a bad guy, well. The old Rico case. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think my purse would be in that situation? Is that considered more of a concern or less of a concern? Because technically, I carry my purse, but it's not, like, on me, ready for me to grab and go. That's a concealed carry, technically. Okay. It is. But, but... And, and unless you're under arrest, he cannot look in your purse. And also the whole fact is, yeah, I have a knife in there because I'll get home and open a package or I'll open the mail or it's something like that. Tool. Yeah, it's my right. tool that's readily available because I don't have pants <laughs> that work well with me. That's and, exactly it. So that's what you're going to say if, you know, um, you know, poop hits the fan. Well, yeah. the, the cop won't be able to find it anyways. Can't find anything. Well, that's it. He's not going to be looking. He's not, he, oh, there you go. It's a woman's purse for one. He's going to be digging for eight and a half hours, and he's going to be like, I give up. Uh, as long as, you, you know, you didn't do something so bad, which a lot of us don't do, uh, you should be fine. Cool. Sounds good. And I've actually I've actually spoken to the Durham police because they, they're customers, and they said they don't really care if people have a pocket knife. He goes, if you're getting busted for other things, sure, I'll, I'll charge you on the knife for, for other charges. But, you know, if you're not being stupid, who cares? He goes, I carry pocket knife. They all carry pocket knives. That's exactly it. You don't want to break two yeah. laws. If you break the one, you're good. As soon as you start breaking yeah. the more than one, then then that's just, when they start. Just don't be stupid, and you probably won't have an issue or any interactions with law enforcement. That's right. Behave, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's uh, it's still an EDC tool, but you behave. You know, you are carrying something that can be interpreted as I am carrying a weapon if it boiled down to it. So behave, and then they won't ever have a reason to find that tool. Behave, be safe, and be a collector. 100%. Well, I mean, 100%. I, I, collector, I mean, the avid user. I mean, I use my tool, yeah. right? I like to buy different ones, and, and yeah, yeah. But you summed it up pretty good. Sounds good. So Amanda, can do, do you want to do events? 
Oh, hang on a second. So you got to scroll down that page where I put down about a CCFR. Oh, there we go. Yep, I found it. So CCFR National Range Day is a day created to recognize and celebrate the 2.3 million licensed gun owners who responsibly, legally, and safely own and use firearms in Canada. The first Saturday in June annually will be National Range Day going forward. In 2022, it will fall on Saturday, June the 4th. Perfect. So if you go to the website www.nationalrangeday.ca for more information and a ton of resources to aid everyone in making this a growing annual success. I'm excited about this to be quite frank. I'm 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 really excited to get this going. So uh, this is not going to be a branded CCFR initiative. This is just going to be grassroots Canadian gun community effort. And we all need to invest in the effort, and so very true. So, and it looks That's like a great idea. Actually, Take like, your friends and family like you want, out. Sounds yeah. like you want to organize it then for our club. Um, <laughs> I, I will co-host on that. Co- uh, co-organize. You're you're. The, I put the. You're the vice president. Come on I put now. the uh, I put the email out to the board, so I'm just waiting to get some feedback. So. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll, <laughs> you can work with them. Uh, so, you see, you see, seed me on that one, right? Yep. For sure. Okay. Good. Good. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll invite you. <laughs> yes. Are you? You're in, you're in Hamilton. You're not too yeah, far. Yeah, I'm in Hamilton. I'm a dirty steel city boy. Yeah, you're two hours away. You can you can come out. Hey, it ain't no problem. It ain't no thing. We're Actually, gonna have an EDC Canada meetup out there, maybe. You never know. There you go. Actually, he's, he's two hours away from me, the other side too. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Alrighty. So. Okay. So you want me to continue, or you want to do it, Amanda? Well, I, I guess I can continue on here. So please send any feedback, questions, or comments that you may have to host at newshootercanada.ca. Uh, go to our Facebook page or in the comments section of our website on Instagram. Uh, so newshootercanada.ca for the website there. So don't forget to like us there. Leave a comment. Uh, so closing comments here. I think this sums it up quite well. So, promote so, Canadian knife channels, uh, YouTube, Jake from CCE, The Big Knucker, Kevin Cleary, Sharp Stuff, and The Bearded Guy, EDC. The Knifeman on Facebook, EDC in, uh, International Canada, am I right in that? EDC Canada International. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Canada, and see, that's my mistake. Let's, let's type that in, Canada. There you go. EDC Canada oh, Parenthesis International Facebook group. And of Sorry, course, my the, mistake. Uh, the CKG, which I do follow the uh, the EDC Canada International and the CKG, so pretty cool pages to to follow up with there. So, anything Excellent. else to add there, Thomas? Nope, that's perfect. Thanks, Amanda. Wunderbar. So, any shoutouts? Oh, well, Josh. I'll just shout out Paul. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, ah, yes, thank Josh. you, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. Thank A lot you, of fun. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everybody, and Amanda. Thank you. And I'll, and I'll shout out Thomas for the best tech. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, you're very welcome. Enjoy it. Don't cut yourself. <laughs> awesome. Yes. So updates <laughs> Updates to follow. There you go. You, you might have to re-listen to this episode. Come on now. Of course. Well, uh, thank you, Paul, for joining us. And also thank you to our listener, Jay, for sharing with us on Instagram with your wrecking crew. It was awesome to see that. Any other listeners, please feel free to tag us onto your wrecking challenge pictures. And Yeah, and we, and we actually got an invite 
from Jay to come up and shoot, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yes, and Barry. I'm excited because he goes, you frequent Barry, don't you? And I said, once in a while, yes. And he's like, yeah, well, you, I try and invite Mike once a year. So uh, definitely you're invited and Josh are invited. So Mike, you going to join us? Oh, he's got, he's got a very nice Colt 1911 you just bought. Ooh, lovely. So. Yeah. I handled it. It was nice. Yeah. <laughs> Any shout-outs, Mike? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try. Oh, I, like on I like his gun. Yeah. Um, I just want to say thanks to the people down in Kingston who ran the i match. It was great to get back out and see people again. Uh, and thank you, Paul, for joining us again tonight. Oh, you're very welcome, guys. So, Chris, again, thanks, Paul. I, I appreciate you coming on with that with not not much notice. I'd also like to give Jake from Canadian Cutting Edge a thank you for the free knife, and a shout out to my friend Kelly Fitzgerald. She's my newest knife buddy. You guys know John and Kelly? I do. I'm friends with John, but I've I've became friends with Kelly, and now I've addicted her to pocket knives. She has several knives, so she says if I win another knife, I got to give it to her. Anyway. <laughs> so, how many does she have? Does she have more than me? Because I have. Technically three, four? Three She's or got four. Two. She she actually she wanted the Delica and she ordered the Indela, a little bit bigger by mistake. Mm-hmm. But she did get another one. And then I was talking to her and she just ordered a Swiss Army knife. Wicked. It's a start. It's a start. Yep. It is. Alrighty. Thomas, why don't you go and take us on out? Okay, the next week everybody keep your barrels down range and smoking. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Choose your caliber wisely. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. And Paul, do you have we didn't have and, and I'm one cut Paul. <laughs> I thought it was one knife, Paul. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm falling into the, the whole uh, thing now. Oh, my God. One knife, Paul. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for listening and joining us tonight. Have a good week. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Well, I really like Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns.